This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We are in our final week of our New Through 30 series. And so this New Through 30 series has been us trekking through the New Testament for the past four weeks. And coupled with that, when you came in, there should have been a blue card on your seat. That is our New Testament reading plan. We made a challenge. Uh, today is day 20, so, or 21. So 21 days ago, we challenged our entire church to read through the New Testament in 30 days together. And so we made up these little reading plans where it takes you about 25 to 30 minutes if you're a slow reader to get through this every single day and in hopes that you would be able to read through the whole New Testament with us. And then we went even a step further and we as a staff recorded each day's reading so that you could listen to it in podcast form on the way to or from work or while you're working out or whatever. You can do that so you can trek with us and not have to sit down at a book for 30 minutes because I know for some of you that is more likened to purgatory than a blessing uh, for you in your life. And so we made that available as well. So if you want to jump on board with that, even if you haven't been with us and you want to start fresh, it's there forever, all right? Centralchurch.cc slash podcast. You can get on there and it's, it's clearly marked new through 30, day one. Day two, day three, day four. And so you can kind of trek through it with us on that. So what we've done on Sunday mornings in partnership with our reading series and all of that is the first Sunday we, we sort of teach through what you're going to read about that next week. And so we started off in week one talking through the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we kind of gave an overview of the Gospels, an understanding of them, and we said basically, listen, when you're reading the Gospels, don't make this a head knowledge thing. Don't make this something where you can load some ammunition and then like militarize it on Facebook and use it for ammo, right? Read through the Gospels and make your goal to get to know Jesus. Study the life of Jesus to get to know Jesus. And then in week two, we talked about the book of Acts and how Acts is sort of the origin story of the church. You know, Jesus comes and he does his ministry and <clears throat> ascends to heaven and then and then all the followers and believers are sitting around going, okay, now what, right? That's what Acts is. And so in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and all this stuff happens. And so that's the origin story of the church. And so we talked through that before we read it so you could understand what was happening. And then last week, uh, Pastor Rich shared about the epistles. And essentially, the epistles are like all the letters in the New Testament, like, uh, you know, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, all the ones that are like the I-A-N-S at the end. Those are like the letters that were written by this church planner, and, and, and uh, Pastor Rich shared all about that last week and how that portion of scripture is for your encouragement in the faith and how to like work out sort of some of the struggles and all of that, and so that's been very, very cool. If you want to catch up on any of those, again, on the pad co- podcast, centralchurch.cc slash podcast. Now today, <sighs> today we're looking at the book of Revelation. Yay, Revelation, woo, um, and this idea of apocalyptic literature. And so um, it's been an interesting week studying this out and figuring this out and playing it out and trying to figure out how I can share like this much information in like this much amount of time, right? And so we're going we're gonna to trek through it, but I do want to make a note really quick for those of you who are visiting or kind of new, this is a different kind of series for us. So we are not, typically we take... A Bible passage, 
say, hey, how does this apply to our lives? And then apply it to our lives. This series has been more of like an overview of different genres in the New Testament and how to read it and how to come at at it, how to understand it. And so when we covered the Gospels, we covered four books of the Bible. So we didn't like, hey, so uh, we're not chapter and versing through this thing. We're talking big picture principles, right? Same thing with the book of Acts, same thing with the epistles. It's going to be the same thing here with Revelation. I'm going to talk through sort of the big ideas of Revelation and how we can sort of take it and understand it and digest it and then hopefully apply it to our hearts and our lives as well. So um, (laughs) Revelation's a tough one, right? As a kid, um, okay, as a teenager... College, as an adult, I have been terrified of the book of Revelation, right? It's like stinking scary. Is anyone else like a little bit just able to be honest in church and be like, yo, that book kind of freaks me out. I avoid it. Never read it. (laughs) Anybody willing to be honest? Okay, yeah. Um, How many people in here love the book of Revelation? And they're like, yes, finally. Okay, okay. Well, for those few of you that raised your hand, I hope this morning is not incredibly paradigm-shattering for you. Um, We're going to take a little bit of a different approach of maybe what you've heard in the past or been taught before. But it's, it's, uh, I've been pretty super freaked out by Revelation for most of my life, right? I mean, you got to think about it. We're we're talking like dragons and beasts and monsters and seals and pillars and letters and battles of Armageddon and end of days and, right? I mean, it's just like, whoa, If, if I had to... If I had to describe Revelation to someone who was outside of the church, right, I, I would have to say it's kind of like it's kind of like Saving Private Ryan, right, meets Godzilla, meets The Handmaid's Tale, meets Game of Thrones, meets The Exorcist, right, and that's kind of how I would compile it together and be like, "There's Revelation, enjoy." Right, and so essentially, in theory, it sounds really cool and exciting, and like, yeah, they should make a movie about that. Uh, well, they have actually. Have you seen those? Yeah, yes. And how many of you have gone to counseling as a result? Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> I think Tim LaHaye is going to have to pay for that on the Judgment Day. I'm just saying, um, or at least he should pay your therapy bills. Um, in theory, it sounds really cool and exciting, but as a preteen, and let's be honest, as an adult, it can give you some serious nightmares. Right? It, can, it can really freak you out and really make you like, whoa, I don't know. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the book of Revelation, and I just kind of want to hopefully help us to gain a clearer understanding of what it is and, and how it works. And so when we come to reading this on our reading plan, I'm not getting all kinds of emails like, yo, I'm into the Jesus thing, but whoa, Revelation, I don't know, man. So I just want to kind of clear some things up, get us all on the same page, help us to hopefully be able to understand and digest a little bit about what the heck is going on in the book of Revelation together this morning. So let me pray, and then, uh, and then we'll jump right in. So God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for your word. Um, you know, we, we talk about some of this stuff, a little tongue-in-cheek and stuff, but, but it's such an honor and a privilege that we are privied to your thoughts and to your heart through the Bible and through, through the scriptures. And God, I, I pray this morning that as we dive into this idea of revelation, this, this writing, um, I pray that, that, you would, that you would soften our hearts, and that you would open our minds. I, I pray this morning um, that we would be malleable. That I, I pray this morning that you would bring clarity, not confusion. And I pray this morning that, that we would leave 
impacted and excited and encouraged and changed by what we discussed this morning. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen. So, um, apocalypse. Apocalypse. The Greek word for apocalypse is apocalypsis. And apocalypsis literally means revelation. And revelation is essentially the unveiling or the unfolding of things that you previously did not know or understand, right? And so that's kind of what this this revelation is about. And in in the biblical sense, revelation is sort of like a vision of end times, a vision of things to come that is given to you by like some sort of heavenly messenger, right? Like that's the the nice cutesy package definition of revelation, which still sounds super mystic and a little bit creepy if we're being honest, right? So like, oh, I don't know some things, and then this angelic being is going to come and tell me, and then I'm going to know these things, right? And so setting the stage for this, Revelation was written by the Apostle John. Now, you know the Apostle John from writing the book of, guess, John, yes, perfect. He wrote three other books. Guess which ones? First, second, and third John. Yes, you're right. You're right. Um, so he wrote these books as well. First, second, third John is right before Jude and then Revelation. So he's right there in the apocalyptic scripture as well. But John was an apostle of Jesus. He was like one of the, the, the main dudes, right? And he was teaching about Jesus and teaching about the way of Jesus and all of this. And he was arrested. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was persecuted. All these different things. They still couldn't shut this guy up from talking about Jesus. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos. And so now he's on this island, and he gets this revelation from an angel of the Lord speaking to him, and that is the writing of Revelation. Now, when we open this book, Revelation, and we start reading it, and we start diving into it and trying to understand it, we have to understand that the literary form in which this was written no longer exists. We don't write like this. We don't read like this. This is not, like, you can't come at this like you do the back of your cereal box, right? It's not the same thing. And so we can't read it like it's the same thing. We can't read it like it's something that's super literal or whatever because it's just not. And so what I want to do is I want to break down kind of what's in Revelation, and then we'll talk about how to kind of approach it a little bit. And so I have a Revelation broken down on a slide up here, okay? So it starts off in Revelation 1.1, sort of unveiling the plan and the power and the person of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Jesus Christ. Have you guys... Listen, listen, I got some beef with the first service today. Can you tell? Jesus Christ. How many of you guys have seen that video? Raise your hand, please. Oh, all the young people on the front rows. Perfect. The rest of you have no idea what I mean when I say Jesus Christ. There wasn't a single person in first service who knew what Jesus Christ was. James, do you have that video? Do you? Can you, can you play it for just, just for a minute so people can know? Okay. Okay, this is huge. Can you? Yes. We need sound for this. Where is, where is our sound person? What's happening here? This video is the absolute best. Is it not going to work? This is on the fly. No, yes, no, maybe. Hanto's busted. Where is he, in the bathroom? So this is what happens when the sound guy goes to the bathroom during the message. Jerk. Anyway... You can get an idea, but this guy is, it's the best. I love you, God. Jesus Christ. That's all he's saying over and over as he dances, and it's just, it's great, okay? If you have not seen this, just take a few minutes of your life that you can never get back and watch it, okay? It's, it's worth it. Just, I don't even know what you would type up to find that, but it's, it's brilliant. 
Anyway, Revelation 1.1 starts talking about Jesus Christ, okay? And laying out the person and the plan and the power of Jesus. And then it goes in to this next section, which is like the seven churches. It talks about these seven churches, and Jesus writes them seven letters. And you got Ephesus, which is the backslidden church. Smyrna, which is the persecuted church. Pergamum, the adulterous church. Thyatira, the corrupt church. Sardis, the dead church. Philadelphia, the faithful church. And Laodicea, the lukewarm church. And so he's writing them these letters of like, yo, this is what's up. This is what's coming. This is how it works. Everything like that. And then it goes into this portion of scripture where it talks about the tribulation. Ooh. Does that make you shudder like when you say the name Mufasa, right? The tribulation. Ooh, say it again, right? The tribulation. And this is like the seven years of like worldwide hardships. There's like disaster and, and pain and there's... Uh, um, you know, war and suffering and all these like crazy, terrible things that are happening in the seven years. And then in the second half of that seven years, the, the, the final three and a half years of that is like they up the ante. Like it's even more hardcore where like people are uh, being scorched by the sun and the water is turned to blood and, and you have uh, people have painful sores all over them. And there's like zero uh, godliness. There's zero goodness. There's zero holiness. There's none of that. It's just like devastation, terror, horrible, super scary, all this stuff going down in the tribulation. And then you have the battle of Armageddon, dun, 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 where Steven Tyler is singing the song and they're walking in slow motion to the spaceship. Right? You know what I'm talking about? No? All these pop culture references. Are you guys like, uh, you guys with me? Um, then you have the Battle of Armageddon where basically Jesus shows up and like throws down the gauntlet, like total domination. He's like, Satan, get in your place. You, your place. Boom, 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 boom. All this stuff is going down in the Battle of Armageddon. And then post that, we have this thing called the Millennium, which is like now that everybody, all the bad has been taken care of because Jesus came in and like dominated or whatever. Then you have the Millennium where there's like a thousand years when Jesus and his believers and followers and all that reign on earth. And it's like you know, rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and happiness and all of that. And then it goes into this portion of, of, the, of the writing where there's judgments and Satan is released from the chains of bondage and all this stuff and then uh, God like judges him and then the people are judged and they're separated and judged on their whatever and all that stuff happens. And then at the very end of it, you have this new heaven and this new earth where it's like perfection again and everything is well with my soul and all of those things, right? So that's essentially what the, the roller coaster that you're going to travel reading the book of Revelation. That's, that's the, the contents of what's in it. But now listen, there is a ton of nuance to all of this stuff. There is a ton of craziness happening. There's a lot to understand, a lot to digest when you come at this thing. And so let me start to bring clarity to this whole situation like this. With, it, with this one statement. This is sort of the foundation for approaching the book of Revelation. And it says this, everything in Revelation is told in the language of symbol. Everything in Revelation is told in the language of symbol, meaning everything is a representation or imagery of something else. Okay? When you're reading Revelation and you see all these different crazy things and you hear all these different crazy things, listen, it's a representation or imagery of something else. It talks about a seven-eyed lamb or a seven-headed dragon or a burning lake or a bejeweled city. Everything that is in there is encased in symbol, meaning 
that it's not literally talking about seven-eyed lambs and seven-headed dragons, okay? That's not the idea. This is not Game of Thrones. That's an HBO show, not real life, okay? That is not the income, impending doom of the end days, seven-headed dragons soaring around, blah, 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 right? That's symbolic for something else, okay? The seven-eyed lamb, symbolic for something else. Because here's the problem that we face when reading and interpreting and implying the book of Revelation. Like I said earlier, it's a dead form of literature, right? We don't communicate like this anymore. We don't write like this anymore. We don't read like this anymore. And everything is encased in symbol, and every symbol has a meaning, has a purpose, has something to communicate, there's intentionality that there's seven eyes on the lamb. There's intentionality that there's seven heads on this dragon. There's intentionality to these different things. But here's the deal. We are more than 2,000 years removed from this writing and from the culture in which this, this writing was intended for and the context in which this writing was written and the origin of these symbols. Whoever was reading the book of Revelation when it was written would know exactly what John is talking about. But we come at this thing with limited insight into the context, limited insight into the perspective, limited insight into the culture and what's happening all around it, and we look at it and go, hmm, let's figure this out. This must mean the end of the world, right? I mean, that thought and idea is only a couple hundred years old, right? That's not even like the way that this stuff was interpreted for like ever until just recently. And then Tim LaHaye, like, up the ante with his videos to scare the crap out of us in middle school, right? But that was never the intention. And so here's the deal. If the best way that I can communicate this in a, in, into a way that, that fits our context and our culture and everything is this. Go ahead, James, put up that, that video that doesn't require sound because Hanto's obviously not up there. Give it, not the video, the, the picture. Boom. So when we put that on the screen... Everybody in the room knows exactly what that's talking about, exactly what that's in reference to, exactly what that's trying to say and to communicate, right? It's like a comical commentary on the political system here in America, right? That's what that is. You got, you got the elephant and the donkey getting ready to, to go to blows, and it's, it's talking about how they don't work together, and it's, there's combat and all this stuff, right? When we put that up, that makes sense. Nobody's looking at that going, huh? The, uh, what? Uh, huh? Like you've seen this, you've heard this, it's part of the culture, it's part of the context. But, imagine someone 2,000 years from now who has limited insight to our culture, limited insight into our context, limited insight into our, uh, our uh, political perspective and our political landscape, limited insight to all of that, and they look at this picture. What are they seeing? Why in the world would that elephant be standing on its two back legs, first of all? And why is it wearing stars and stripes, or stars on their shorts? Elephants don't wear shorts. That makes no sense at all. And why are there boxing gloves on an elephant? That's, they don't even make boxing gloves that big. That's ridiculous, right? Not to, and, and it is an elephant on top of that. And what is the, the GOP, the 6OA, the, what is that on their arm, on their, what is that? mean or stand for, I don't, I don't know. And why does it look like it has a Band-Aid on its head and it's all beat up and battered and bruised? And then you have like a donkey or a zebra or a horse or something with a mohawk. What does the mohawk mean? I don't know. What does demos mean? Demos? 
Demos, Dimas, I don't know. I, I need to parse that Greek for a little while, I guess. And why is that thing on its back legs with its face and its eyes right on the other one's eyes and the noses are... You'd have no idea what the heck's going on with that if you didn't have any context or insight into the culture or know what the representation of all those things mean, right? That's how we're approaching Revelation. Everyone at the time was like, oh, I see, oh, John, I see what you did there. I see, okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, mm, oh, hey, I'm picking up what you're laying down, John. But we come at it and go, huh? Huh? What? And it would be the same thing as if someone were to encounter this for the first time in 2,000 years with the limited information and access to information like we have to the access of the information in Revelation. And so there's a lot about Revelation that we don't know, a lot of it that we essentially can't know. But what we do know is that Revelation is a prophetic critique of the Roman Empire and all empires that will follow. That's what Revelation is. It's a prophetic critique of the Roman Empire and all the empires that will follow. Essentially, it's this. It's this daring, crazy, wild proclamation that Jesus Christ is the world's new emperor. That's what John's trying to communicate. That Jesus Christ is the world's new emperor. It's this portrayal of this beastly empire of Rome, or the beastly empire as a whole, and the peaceable reign of the Lamb of God. It's showing this contrast between the two. It foretells of the eventual triumph of the kingdom of Christ, that the way of Christ is better and triumphs over the way of the empire. It's painting that picture and the political landscape in which it was written. And it's almost using this sort of dark comedy approach where it's almost like, like comical, if you will, to look at this because it's saying, you know, this hideous, monstrous beast that is the empire is going to be conquered by the, 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 the tiny little lamb and the tiny little lamb that was actually already defeated, but then rose again, and then that little, soft, cute, little fuzzy lamb is going to triumph over the big, monstrous, beastly monster that is the empire. And so you're looking at this, and you're kind of like, <laughs> oh, John, you're for real? Like, this is the way that it's going to go down? John is telling of the triumph of Christ over Rome and over all the beastly empires to come. And so it's important for us when we're approaching Revelation and we're reading Revelation and we're studying Revelation and we're going through these things, it's important for us to remember that these monstrous images, these super scary things that are in writing, what these are is they're symbols for the cosmic evil working through the Roman Empire. So there's a purpose that each of these things are labeled the way that they're labeled because it means something in their current context. And it's almost this like comical commentary of the triumph and reign of Christ. That's what Revelation is. Revelation is essentially the way of Jesus versus the way of the empire. 
that's kind of how it goes down. The way of Jesus versus the way of the empire. And Revelation reminds us that the way of Jesus is triumphant over the way of the empire. It's the better choice. It's the way that things should go down. Right? And so the symmetry of Scripture sort of paints this same picture that Revelation is painting, how the way of Jesus is triumphant and better than the way of the empire, the way of ourselves, right? Check it out. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, at the very beginning of the Bible, it's perfection, right? It's God's design, Adam and Eve, in Eden, beautiful, wonderful, excellent, wonderful, perfect, awesome. And then we get to Genesis chapter 3 and what happens? The fall of mankind, right? This is where the problem starts, this is when we started doing things our way instead of God's way, right? That's, that's the idea. And then we're in that problem phase all throughout Scripture, right? We're seeking empire. We're seeking ourselves, not seeking the way of God. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament. Then you bridge the gap. You jump into the New Testament. You see the same thing. Paul's writing these letters to these churches saying, yo, y'all are screwing up. You're still choosing your way over God's way. You're still choosing your way or the way of the empire over the way of Yahweh, over the way of, of, of Christ and his reign and all that. And so all that keeps happening until Revelation chapter 20. The whole span of Scripture, we're choosing our way. We're choosing the way of the empire. Until Revelation chapter 20, when Jesus comes in and he binds the adversary and all this stuff, Jesus defeats Satan, and what he does is he restores God's way, and then the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, is perfection again. So you got perfection, God's way, perfection, God's way, in the middle is us trying to choose our way and the empire and the mess that it creates and trying to work itself out and trying to do all that to, to, to figure it out. And so here's the deal. Revelation... It seems mystic, it seems crazy, it seems far off, it seems all this stuff, but it is absolutely crazy applicable to us here in 2019. The message of Revelation is incredibly applicable to us here in 2019, not as a coded newspaper that like, we have to decode and figure out all the things to uh, that outlines the end of God's good creation, like, oh, it's the downfall of the world and everything's blah, blah, blah. Right? That's, that's not why Revelation is important and, and applicable to us. Not so we can be on the lookout for all the blood moons and be ready for the return of Christ and then on his seven-headed dragon. And like, no, no, no. That's not the point. That's not why it's relevant to us. It's not relevant to us as a coded message of the geopolitical landscape of the 21st century. That's not the point of Revelation, okay? That's not the purpose. That's not how it should be read. It's crazy applicable to us in 2019. Because it reminds us that Jesus' lamb-like kingdom saves us from the beast-like empires of this world. That's why it's crazy applicable. Because Christ's lamb-like kingdom saves us from the beast-like empire. And that's important for us to wrap our heads around. It's crazy applicable to us because, again... It's 2019. Next year is an election year for our country, right? And we're about to enter into the thick with two C's. Political season, right? We're about, why are you laughing back there? We're about to really get into it, into the thick of this political season. And listen, we talk a lot about this, and we're going to continue to talk a lot about this as we move forward in all these politics and all this craziness that's about to take place. But the lamb-like approach to following Jesus triumphs in every way 
over the beast-like empire or over, let me, dare I slide this in there, the lamb-like approach to following Jesus triumphs in every way over the beast-like political machine of America. In every way. And so this is super, super applicable to us as Christ followers in the here and now. And so I don't know in what way the empire potentially has sunk its teeth into you, into your faith journey, into your worldview, into your perspective. Maybe it is the empire's politics and that we subscribe to, we, we, we ascribe to a political party and then we're a Christ follower. Or we think that our political party is the Christ followers, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. Maybe it's the politics of the empire that have sunk in their teeth into you and so it's quenching out the life that this lamb-like kingdom wants to bring to you. Does that make sense? Maybe it is the politics. Maybe it's the empire's influence. The influence of the empire, where the empire says you got to keep up with the Joneses, and you're in this comparison trap where you got to have more, you got to look better, you got to do better, you got to have a bigger house, a newer car, you got to do all this stuff to keep up with the rest of the empire. And John's simple, quiet reminder is, yo, the way of the lamb, the way of Jesus triumphs over the way of the empire every time. It's such a better way. It's the way that God has called us to live and to approach life. Maybe it's the empire's culture. This culture of a doggy dog of, you know, I, all, all I do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. And I'll step on whoever I got to step on and do whatever I got to do to get to that number one spot. I am number one. Two is not a winner. And three, nobody remembers. Hey. Throw back to Nelly. Anybody got some? Dustin knows Nelly. Divas knows Nelly. But we got that sort of culture going on, right? Where it's like, I'm the most important thing in the world. It's very, very self-centered, very egocentric, very, it's all about me. And maybe the empire is sinking its teeth to you in that way. Maybe it's the empire's pace. More, 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 faster, 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 more, 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 faster, 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 faster. My mom was from Alabama, a simple woman from Alabama, and she would she would always say, now Samuel, you know that if, if the devil can't make you be bad, he'll make you busy. I'm like, what? But it's kind of the truth, man. That's, that's the culture of the empire. Let me get you super, super busy so you, you don't have time to focus on what really actually matters in life and in this world, right? And so I don't know where you are in your journey, whatever it is, whatever way that the empire is sort of coming at you, I want to encourage you this morning that we need to know we need to choose and we need to focus on the way of Jesus over the way of the empire. We need to know the way of Jesus over the way of the empire. We need to choose the way of Jesus over the way of the empire. We need to focus on the way of Jesus over the way of the empire. Whatever that looks like for you. Like I said, maybe it's the politics, maybe it's the culture, maybe it's the influence, maybe it's the pace, maybe it's something else that you're feeling in your heart that I'm not saying. But John paints this picture, this vivid, imaginative picture that the way of Jesus triumphs ultimately over the way of the empire and that this is the much better choice. This is the way that God has called us to live our life. This is the way that we live out who God has called us to be, how he's called us to do it. Is this 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 lamb-like kingdom of Jesus that supersedes all the rest? And so, wherever you are this morning in your faith journey, in your 
processing, I want to give us an opportunity to respond to God. I want to give us an opportunity to maybe have a conversation, maybe to be introspective a little bit and say, how is the empire quenching out the spirit in my life? How is the empire kind of choking me out where I'm unable to move forward in my relationship with God? I'm unable to move forward in living out my faith because the empire is just choking it out of me. And whatever way that is, maybe we can do some business with God and surrender that to him this morning. Say, God, I want to let that go. I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that girl. I don't want that to be my story and my life. And so we've created a space here this morning. Van's going to lead us in one more song for you guys to do some business with God. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much for loving us and caring for us. thank you so much that we can come to you with our burdens. We can come to you with our problems. We can come to you with our struggles. Your Holy Spirit comforts us. Your Holy Spirit guides us. Your Holy Spirit directs us. God, I pray this morning as we take some time to seek you, as we take some time to be a little in introspective and to see maybe where the empire has a grasp on our heart or has a grasp on our vision or has a grasp on our perspective we may be able to release some of that to you and ultimately follow your way for our lives and for our hearts. God, this morning, please, as we draw near to you, draw near to us, allow us to encounter you and to engage you this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Go ahead and stand and worship with us. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.